Welcome everyone to the Australian Bitcoin podcast. I'm Justin, your host, and today I'm joined by Victor from IVPN to discuss virtual private network services. But before we start, a quick word from our sponsor. The Australian Bitcoin podcast is brought to you by hardblock.com.au. Hardblock is Australia's oldest Bitcoin-only exchange. They have no added fees and are optimized for dollar cost averaging. Sign up to Hardblock today using the discount link in the description below to receive free auto-send batch Bitcoin withdrawals for six months. All right, Victor, how's it going? Doing very well. Uh, hello, Justin. How about you? I, uh, I'm good as well. Thanks for taking the time. You're just kicking off your day and I'm uh, you know, starting yeah. to wind mine down. So I appreciate the time and it's good to chat a little bit about privacy, VPNs, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, just for anyone listening, as a bit of a disclaimer, this is not a, a sponsored episode or anything like that. I've, I've got a bit of a personal bias. So I'm an IVPN customer and I have been for a few years now. And I've actually learned quite a lot from IVPN's guides. So I do have a bit of a bias, but it's just good to put it out there that this is not some sort of like sponsored or paid advertisement or something like that. This is very much just like a kind of a, a casual and open conversation about things like VPNs and, and particularly the, uh, the offerings that IVPN has. So with that in mind, why don't for the listeners, uh, you maybe just introduce yourself briefly in terms of what you do at IVPN and perhaps even go into a little bit about IVM, uh, IVPN's uh, history and mission. Sure. Yeah. So um, IVPN, uh, I will start with the with the uh, service part. Uh, so IVPN is a privacy-focused commercial VPN service. It's been around for more than 10 years uh, and it was founded in 2009 uh, by a gentleman uh, called uh, Nick, Nicolas Pastel. Uh, he's the, still the CEO of the company, he's, he's active in the company. Um, and he's, he has um, started this because he was really concerned about the uh, proliferation of uh, data collection uh, and an increased uh, need for uh, protection for individuals uh, against uh, those uh, uh, different ways of uh, tracking people. And uh, specifically, uh, the as we will, we'll probably get into it a little bit deeper, but commercial VPN services, uh, in, in our view, are the best to solve the ISP problem, as we call it, mm. uh, because the ISPs has a, have a, a very wide uh, view uh, on what, uh, who we are, what we do, uh, and they have very, uh, many different data points that they can uh, connect to create a, a very useful uh, profile for us. So Nick back then see, uh, saw the need for this, but the 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 actual uh, need and this uh, boom in uh, um, in the need for VPN services have increased after the Snowden revelations. Mm. So many things back then were like a little bit in the tinfoil hat territory. Like, okay, so uh, are they really working with governments? Are they really tracking us? Uh, what's what's happening? There's there's no way that this many uh, data points are just uh, collected and stored and like analyzed. This just uh, wouldn't be happening. Uh, and then it turned out that many of those assumptions are true. So uh, there was a big a big boom and. Um, IVPN has uh, started to grow. Um, Nick has um, started to hire people, uh, grow the team, uh, but we have always been uh, like a very much long-term focus, slow growth uh, type of uh, uh, company. And this is where there's clear distinction uh, between us and other, other companies that we are pretty much focused on the mission, pretty much focused on uh, all the um, different uh, uh, ethical considerations uh, and different uh, uh, things that we set uh, out for ourselves. Uh, and for this reason, we are still a relatively small company, uh, but we are, we, are, we are okay with that. We are, we are looking at uh, uh, long-term growth in terms of hiring and uh, product decisions uh, and different other aspects. 
So yeah, a little bit of a long, uh, long introduction to the IVPM. Uh, but yeah, and about my role, I'm, uh, I'm my official title is head of communications, uh, but I wear many hats. Uh, so uh, as we are a relatively small team, I've been with the company, uh, company for more than four years. Uh, originally, I was hired as a marketer, and my, my background is actually uh, in marketing. But I've, I've, you know, I never really liked that uh, kind of uh, uh, titles. I'm really disillusioned with the state of uh, state of marketing. So uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of different stuff, uh, mostly mostly on the non-technical side and wearing many hats, uh, helping out uh, Nick uh, with uh, with uh, different uh, different areas, mostly research, writing, uh, social media, um, dealing with community stuff, and just really working on signaling our uh, values and improvements uh, instead of this uh, whole push marketing that's really relevant in the industry. So that's about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Marketing has a very kind of contrived, or at least in my perception, has a very contrived uh, kind of nature to it, doesn't it? Like you're trying to sell something. Yeah. I mean, if you called it sales, yeah. that would put most people off, but we call it marketing instead. And it's a nice, um, yeah, nice synonym, but it pretty much means the same thing. Well, I think yeah. edu- education and signaling values is much more, it's a long-term focus, it's a more genuine focus. And I think people, as they kind of wake up to, well, sales and marketing and even things like privacy, they appreciate that a lot more. And that's, I mean, we, we have a very similar or a parallel kind of trajectory, I guess, in terms of uh, Hardlock, mm-hmm. the exchange that I work for that sponsors this podcast. Mm-hmm. Very small team. We're all kind of jacks of all trades. I was hired more or less to do education, which I guess is partly marketing, but at the same time, it's not focused on necessarily trying to always drive more customers. It's trying to say, how do we upskill the clients that we have? How do we upskill other people as well? So that is broadly aware of some of these things. Because yeah, you're right. The invasion in privacy uh, of privacy is becoming so blatant nowadays like back at the snowden revelations that's when it was still a bit of a uh, like a mystery like a, is this actually happening or is this just a conspiracy theory tinfoil hat sort of scenario but yeah. then there's so many data points that would lead you to conclude that yes there does seem to be this dragnet surveillance they do seem to be doing things in warrantless or permissionless ways sometimes whereas nowadays i think that's just completely blatant <laughs> there is no there is no hiding <laughs> of that anymore you know in australia we have very much uh very much a surveillance country um we have metadata retention laws we have you know key yeah. disclosure laws we have all sorts of things that really are a, a great erosion of our privacy we even have this um kind of like intervene and disrupt where basically police are allowed to without a warrant um get access to things like your social media account or your online accounts yeah. um impersonate you change data if they think that it could perhaps you know i guess entrap a criminal and that's that's never been done before in Australia. I don't think that's been done in, in many developed countries where they can kind of commandeer your information and then modify it and transmit it as if it were coming from you. But now that's allowed to happen. And there is no uh, like tension with the legal system that's trying to stop that happening. Um, it can go through the request to do that from police through an internal administrative area, which is uh, obviously not laden with checks and balances. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I just, uh, you know, uh, Australia as a jurisdiction is, is pretty far away from me. I, I have I have friends there, um, and I've, you know, I've been uh, hearing some stories from them. And I've been uh, just, big, uh, because we are recording this episode, I've done like a quick research, uh, specifically on data retention. I was, I was really interested because I'm doing research right, right now on, uh, on, 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 on uh, ISPs, uh, specifically in the US and the EU. Uh, how much they are uh, allowed to log, uh, how much they need to log, how, what kind of data they have to uh, have to keep, and I, yeah, I was I was just amazed by Australia is you know compared to the EU and the US, uh, I, I didn't think it's possible to 
to have worse conditions than in the US, but it seems like <laughs> you guys over, the, over there have that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, that doesn't sound too good. But yeah, yeah, that, that, that ties really much into the, into the main need for VPNs, I think, yeah. Exactly right, and because it's a slippery slope and it doesn't seem to go backwards. Like it's very rare that you have a government say, you know what, we're going to undo some of these regulations. We're going to undo some of these, you know, surveillance mechanisms that we have. It only yeah. ever gradually creeps forward. And so being able to rather than, you know, wait or expect a change is to try to protect yourself in other ways. And I guess, yeah, that's exactly where a VPN comes in, at least for some of the problems, because it, it doesn't solve everything, even yeah. though sometimes marketing will say that it solves everything. Yeah. So that could yeah, be just, a good uh, segue. Just Sorry, before we, yeah, yeah, just before we get into that, like this, you mentioned the slippery slope uh, thing. That's that's uh, that's one of the key things for me, uh, or why I'm I'm really interested in the the question of privacy and why I've been really motivated to uh, just get into this space. And uh, the more and more I've learned about it, I'm more more and more I've happy I've become to be able to you know do research, do education, and like work on a tool to to help prevent this because the 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 biggest most fearful, you know, and most uh, uh, appalling scenario for me is just really the what we've been seeing happening uh, in China, for example. So you can see that with the with the with the where we are with the technological capabilities, uh, you just have to pair that with willingness, you know, and just like a very loose, maybe regulatory uh, environment, or with like a very authoritarian uh, country with like top-down control where anything is possible which is decided by maybe one person you know if you couple these you know the the possibilities to really practically um, track down people label people however you want for whatever reason that uh, you want and just uh, basically put them into detention camps or even worse you know mm. it's just like it's like very a real scenario uh, and it's happening right now so uh, so for me that kind of example i think there is there is there is a possibility that it might happen in countries that we see as like democratic so you, with, with all that data that is being uh, all these capabilities that you you went, uh, you've been talking about uh, in australia uh, you know and all that data if if it's if it's not rolled back all it takes is just like one change you know one wave of maybe uh, populism or some sort of uh, even bigger a scandal i'm looking for the word uh, yeah crisis that might uh, help someone uh, with like very um, radical views get elected and they can use all these capabilities and all this data to do whatever they want with it so uh, that's that's really scary for me and i would like to stop that absolutely and i, I there's countless examples throughout history and probably countless examples happening right now as well of exactly that occurring, isn't it? Or aren't there? And a yeah. lot of people see things like privacy and I mean, it's very cliche, but they'll say things like, I don't really have anything to hide or surely, you know, yeah. having a little bit less privacy is good because we get to get the bad guys. And it's like, well, you know, whose definition of bad guys <laughs> are we going with? And what's the definition of bad guys in future? And what's not yeah. a crime now could be a crime in future. And there's all those sort of things where I, I don't think people always extrapolate out a little bit further or, or look at perhaps not even the worst case scenario, but getting closer to a worst case scenario. But the unfortunate part is, is that, yeah, we we seem to kind of converge on those points in history, in human history, just over and over and over again. So it, it makes sense to pay attention to it before it gets too late. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what would be some of the benefits of uh, people using a VPN uh, generally, in terms of like what it does protect you from and and what it doesn't protect you from. Yeah, so as as we've talked about it a little bit briefly, uh, so I think a 
specifically a VPN uh, like ours, uh, privacy-focused VPN, uh, it should be designed and it, and it is designed to uh, protect you from dragnet mass surveillance. Um, and one specific aspect of that is what your ISP sees about you and knows about you. So the problem here is that uh, ISPs, specifically in the US, but as we've uh, talked about it in, the, in Australia as well, uh, they have different incentives to uh, monitor, log, and share your browsing history, and which are very valuable for them as advertisers and upselling different stuff. Uh, data brokers, so they might package all these all this different information um, and share all these all these data points with data brokers who uh, acquire data about you from other sources as well uh, and collate that, uh, and they package it further and sell it further. So it goes on and on, uh, and governments as well. So with the data retention laws, uh, some of them are not uh, very clear how, how the different processes work uh, in regards to getting information, subpoenaing information and uh, getting uh, different um, data points uh, and history about you. Uh, but generally, all this information is, is available to a large number of parties. Hmm. And ideally, you know, if you're, if you're concerned about all the stuff that we've been talking about and if you're concerned about um, what who can see what's about uh, about my browsing history so what we're talking about on the on the isp level so there's one caveat here that that uh, um, more and more uh, of our internet traffic uh, is encrypted now with the https so that's uh, that's the little if you go on a website and it's a, there's a little uh, padlock you know in the uh, in the address bar uh, that means that uh, your isp has limited information about what you do um, on that website so they might be able to see some of the dns requests which uh, will tell them you know, what sites you visit, but not, not actually all the information about what you do there. So the, the situation in this regard is improving somewhat with, with these technological developments and with the browsers in implementing more and more safeguards. But the ISPs still see uh, a lot about uh, what you do online. So uh, that's a good VPN, a trustworthy VPN uh, can help you do that um, by encrypting your traffic between the device and the VPN server. And your, your ISP uh, sits between those two points. So they, they won't be able to see, they will just see like an encrypted, uh, encrypted uh, data flow. Uh, so they won't be able to uh, analyze what's going on there. So that's the, that's the gist of it. There are many different uh, caveats. I'm not sure about uh, which, which direction shall we go into that. So different use cases or limitations or some other, uh, other benefits of the VPNs. Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that's probably a good just broad summary as it is, is that it's uh, yeah. protecting you from that dragnet surveillance from your ISP. My understanding would be that they can see that you're connecting to um, a server, whether it's, you know, you choose an Australian server or an international server. And I guess to some degree, there would probably be some obvious listings of like which servers are VPNs and IVPN um, you know, would sort of fall in that. So an ISP might know that you're connecting to a VPN. They might even know that you're That's connecting right. to an IVPN VPN server, but they don't get to see that traffic. They don't get to see the websites you're going to or any unencrypted data that's being sent. Although, like you say, most data is encrypted nowadays because of the HTTPS, the little, uh, you know, padlock symbol. I, I guess an, yep. another uh, use case or scenario is if people are ever using public Wi-Fi to be able to then encrypt the data over that public Wi-Fi because... The, the downside of public Wi-Fi is that anyone else on that Wi-Fi network is able to more or less um, see that data, especially if it's a, in a wireless uh, fashion. So having something like a VPN provides you that level of, of privacy uh, from others people, other people even just on the network being able to snoop it, as well as, of course, whoever's 
running that you know wireless hotspot that you're connecting yep. to exactly yeah i mean that's the i would say from from privacy perspective the the second part is is what i what what would be concerning to me uh, especially the the incentives and the motivations are there to uh, log it, mine it, maybe sell it. Uh, but yeah, but um, in terms of other, other other people on that network, yeah. So this uh, specific thing called person in the middle, uh, person in the middle attacks. So this mm. that's what uh, let's say hacker could like uh, see the traffic that you uh, that you are uh, generating on that Wi-Fi. It's it's a uh, it's much easier to um, do that on a uh, unsecured Wi-Fi than um, than than on the one that you at your home on one one that you would trust. So in those cases, I would definitely airports, hotels, uh, universities, wherever you don't trust the operator, don't know the operator, or there is not enough uh, safeguards put in place. Maybe it's um, uh, there is no password, you know, on the Wi-Fi. In those cases, I I personally always uh, always use a VPN. So yeah, that's that's a good point. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any things? kind of on your mind that a VPN doesn't protect you from that mm -hmm. people often think that it does? Yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's a very long list. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, if, a, if that's where just, marketing uh, comes uh, into it, doesn't it? Well, a lot of other VPN providers, <laughs> I feel like market, like once you have a VPN, you're completely secure and protected online. No one will ever know anything about you. You think, hmm, there's a bit more nuance to it than that though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's the part when I, you know, when I said like, uh, when I joined IVPN, I've started to work. So my, my mandate was really about trying to raise awareness about the service, trying to position it somehow, you know, and to, because I've, I've seen, uh, and I've, I've known, come to known after, you know, learning more about the whole landscape of the industry and the different VPN services that we have a very uh, technically very sound, uh, very well designed and very, very good service. Uh, but not many people know about it. And, um, uh, you know, there are hundreds of different VPN services. It's a very competitive market. So uh, I was analyzing all, all the different ways that you can do that. So, uh, you know, like uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, uh, email marketing, uh, different sponsorships, YouTube sponsorships, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and the more and more I've, I've uh, learned about this industry, uh, the, it was an easy, more, so it, it, this call became easier that we, we don't want to go down this path. This mm -hmm. is just not the, the, uh, the Nick, the CEO has very strong, uh, values in this regard. Uh, and I myself, uh, changed a lot, you know, let's say in the past five years, uh, and I, I really don't, I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable with doing, uh, all this type of, uh, data collection and profiling and using that for for marketing but yeah what's what's baffling for me really is that the biggest vpn companies because of the competition and because of the because of how the whole modern marketing works uh, they are doing all that privacy violating stuff that 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 uh, other companies are doing to sell privacy and you know i can, I can understand that to some extent because uh, there's an argument that could be made that that we are going to people in privacy, finding them in privacy violating ways so we can tell them that, you know, they, they need more privacy and they, they are, uh, you know, uh, in danger because of this. Mm. On the other hand, you know, I, you know, I don't really get that argument because what, they, what you are doing is essentially just like participating in that game uh, and feeding that with data and with money. Uh, you are feeding that whole uh, um, system to stay effective and improve 
uh, and you just, uh, you know, um, enable it. You just put a stamp on it. Okay, this is how things work. This is how uh, they, they should keep on working. And we are happy with that because we can get new customers. So if you're listening to this and you are using one of the big names um, in, in the VPNs, uh, they, they are most likely uh, using third-party trackers on their website. They're most likely using Google Analytics to, to uh, track you, which passes information onto Google. Uh, they're most likely advertising on Facebook and Google and YouTube, and they use all these tools. Um, sorry, we, we might be steering away a little bit from your question, but uh, I'm just really, uh, this is a pet peeve of mine that I really, uh, I really cannot accept and that this just really... Uh, I know, I think it's... Off, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's worthwhile saying, yeah, because it's, again, it's that slippery slope isn't it? Because they're yeah. saying, oh, we're doing this for, uh, you know, white hat hacker reasons. Like we've uh, compromised your privacy only to let you know that we've compromised your privacy so you can improve your privacy. But where does that line yeah. end? Who knows who is in charge at, the, you know, a later point to say like, actually, we can push that line a little bit further. Like, let's make this really, you know, drive the point really home to people. And let's, uh, I don't know, let's release some of their private details to really prove the point. Or let's, you know, you never know where yeah. that actually ends up. Or even to say, oh, look, yeah. we've decided to use some of your data because, you know, we've collected it in a in a pretty much legal way. Like there's a just opens the door to a lot of things. And rather than doing that, actually just focusing on things like education and, and you know, research yeah. and understanding things better and helping clients understand things better, it just makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a good point. So are there, I guess, any main things that you think it's good to discuss that VPNs don't provide for? Uh, like yeah. I, I maybe I might be able to throw one out there, which is uh, around anonymity, because uh, that gets mixed up a lot with privacy and I mean, I, the way that I look at it, there might be better definitions than this, is that I see, uh, say, privacy as people might know who you are, but they don't necessarily know what you're doing. So it's kind of like having curtains in your house. You know, they, they, know where you, mm -hmm. they know where your house is. They might even know that you live there, but they can't actually see into your house and see what you're doing. And it's kind of similar to a VPN in a lot of ways. It can keep you private. Yes. Your ISP still knows who you are. Your ISP knows that you're connecting to a VPN server even, but at the same time, they don't see what you're doing. Anonymity, on the other hand, is something kind of quite the opposite, where they can see what you're doing, but they don't know who you are. And it's it's uh, you're often obfuscated or like hidden within a crowd where you could be any one of those people, but it's kind of clear what you're doing. But yes, yeah, so yep. I guess how does a like a VPN and anonymity come mm -hmm. into it? Especially people think that oh, being on a VPN means that no one knows who I am or what I'm doing. Yeah, I really uh, like your. Uh, your definition on this and that example uh, that illustrates the this distinction very well. Yeah, for VPNs, I think this is one of the most damaging claims that uh, big VPN providers, many of them do, uh, is claiming that uh, you can become anonymous with VPNs. And I think there is a very, uh, like if, if you take uh, like Occam's razor, you know, there's no bad intentions behind them. The, the easiest explanation is that this is what sells the product and uh, you know SEO so people uh, search for anonymous VPNs so like the, the the VPN providers and the marketing teams they feel obliged you know to uh, harvest that need and uh, you know and uh, and tell them that yeah sure you know if you want anonymity from VPNs we can we can get you know give it to you but that's just not not how it works and that's for me it's really uh, damaging because if you pro, uh, with with like false education and these promises, you, you you can provide a false sense of security, you know. And uh, if people start using your product in a way that they expect that it will work, but it doesn't provide that that benefit, uh, that can be the most harmful in uh, different scenarios. So, for example, let's say someone wants to stay uh, anonymous because they have been subject to 
uh, a uh, identity theft or they have like an uh, abusive ex that you know uh, tries to track them down you know, mm. in those cases if if you say that okay vpns make you uh, anonymous they will expect that they will just like be able to keep doing what they are doing even go on social media and post about it and say okay the vpn is protecting me uh, and and that's not, not going to be the case and they will be uh, they will face very heavy consequences so just going into a little bit to, to the finer points so yeah so so the uh, for anonymity uh, the issue is that like so VPNs, um, they just generally uh, do the encryption part that we've been talking about. Uh, mm. The traffic is encrypted between your device and the VPN server, but then it uh, from the VPN server uh, it it exits uh, exists exists to the um, to the internet um, unencrypted. So that just means that uh, uh, there there are different ways to uh, track your request. Um, and specifically, for example, to the websites that you connect to, uh, your IP will be changed. Uh, but whatever information that you put there, it's going to be um, tied to your uh, to your identity. So if you have an account there, for example, best example is uh, social media. But any type of different service that you use, if you provide your email address, if you, if you provide uh, your name, if you provide any uh, any other personal identifiable information they will be able to uh, connect that and, and collect that. Maybe not to your personal IP address, but what, what, whatever you do there is going to be connected uh, to that personal information. And that immediately can uh, de-anonymize you. And uh, there are many other ways to, uh, to track you uh, across maybe your devices, maybe different websites. One example is uh, third-party tracking through uh, tracking cookies. Uh, so uh, Facebook and Google, they... Uh, so. Google's main um, ways to track you across websites is Google Analytics and also their ad network. But Facebook is the is the best best example with uh, tracking cookies. Their whole play about uh, using Facebook logins, for example, whenever uh, a a website uses uh, Facebook accounts for for logins, they place a code snippet on that website. Uh, and that's that code um, snippet right now is is present uh, on many many websites. So what happens is that if you have a Facebook account, uh, Facebook knows a lot about you already. But as you go across uh, different websites, uh, they will know that you visited that website, and they know about many of the actions that you take there uh, through these uh, different tools and snippets and trackers that they place there. So uh, I just wanted to bring this example here because uh, these type of things uh, immediately can de-anonymize you to different parties, for example, to Facebook. So it just uh, illustrates that like VPNs uh, do a, a very important but limited job. Uh, it's it just uh, a part of a toolkit that you have to uh, employ and then you need a, a lot more to uh, even attempt to, to stay uh, anonymous. But I usually stress that I think there is no zero uh, privacy and there is no total privacy. Um, just like that, there is no zero anonymity and there is no total anonymity. If we take a uh, threat model where uh, you are, you know, the mo most well resourced, biggest government names are, are after you, and they have a targeted, uh, targeted uh, attempt to anonymize you. Uh, there is no tool on earth that will uh, protect your anonymity. So I'm just trying to illustrate here that it's uh, it's it's always a spectrum. Um, but yeah, but VPNs generally, just going back to the original question, VPNs will definitely um, won't help you get um, anonymity alone. So uh, yeah, 
I would I would advise using Tor for anonymity if you if that's your that's your goal. It's going to be a better tool for that. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good suggestion. And there's also I'll link to them. In fact, um, a couple of more yeah. advanced guides on IVPN site. I think it's Miramir. Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce that. Yeah, Miramir. Talks, Miramir yeah. yeah, it talks about like nested VPNs and running Tor in you yeah. know in conjunction with VPNs. And so people uh, who have probably a more extreme threat model and he even talks yeah. about i'm pretty sure it's one of his guys about threat modeling and trying to determine like what yeah. kind of tools might you need depending on your threat model uh, i think that's a really good uh, rabbit hole for people to go down because there's some useful information yeah. in there i think probably for the majority of uh, of users listening um, it's probably going to be some of those main points that you hit on in terms of uh it's going to help provide uh, a level of privacy from your ISP, from that dragnet surveillance that they do. So they might see, you know, that you're logging in to a server that's a VPN, but they just don't get to see what you're actually um, querying, like what websites you're going to. You mentioned yep. also like the man in the middle attack. If you're on like a public Wi-Fi, either from a, a, yep. another user on that Wi-Fi or from the Wi-Fi provider themselves. And uh, I guess another one that we haven't talked a, a lot about, but it's sort of inherent in there as well, I think this is why a lot of people get a VPN to begin with, is like geolocation and, and censorship yep. and, and trying to, exactly. uh, to bypass that. I think a lot of people probably learned about VPNs when Netflix was only available in America and not Australia, and people would just <laughs> log into their American friend's account from Australia using a VPN that says they're from an American server or something. Not to uh, you know endorse that or say to do that, but just just kind of comically, that's probably how a lot of people were switched on to the the benefits of VPNs in terms of that you know geolocation uh, censorship yep. stuff as well. And so I think that's probably the main sure. stuff that people will get a benefit out of. But you you bring yeah. up a couple of good just points. To, that, sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah. Just to now just to add to that, like this this is where it gets a little bit murky for us as well uh, as service providers. So we we obviously uh, try to analyze not by logging and uh, tracking, but by uh, like uh, getting our finger on the pulse, you know, in communities, uh, monitoring discussions about VPNs and talking to customers, uh, how they use it, what kind of needs they have. And generally, you know, if your main uh, use case or need for, for VPN is to watch US Netflix or, you know, NFL or uh, that type of stuff, uh, IVPN is not going to be the best uh, best pick for you because uh, there are other providers who do that, do that much better. But uh, so IVPN was not designed for this purpose, and we don't specifically uh, support this uh, use case. And that there are there are a couple of reasons for this. One is that uh, it's just re resources. It takes resources, uh, developers, uh, costs, you know, to to support these uh, cases. And we would rather prioritize things on our roadmap that helps the privacy use cases. So that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons. Uh, the second reason is that to solve this Netflix problem, for example, so to 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 get around. And trick, net, uh, trick Netflix, let's say, as a provider, you, uh, the, the easiest and the most obvious way to do that is to use so-called residential proxies, uh, where you work with a third party um, and, you, and, they, they, um, and they provide ways for you to connect to uh, gateways, let's say, uh, that are uh, sourced in uh, different ways that the perhaps through malware and perhaps through ways that the actual person that the, this traffic goes through their device, they might not even know uh, know about that. Mm. Uh, so uh, so your traffic, if you use IVPN, no, sorry, if you use a different VPN service uh, for this, who use these residential proxies, uh, your traffic goes to the VPN server and then goes through the residential proxy. So, the, so Netflix, you know, uh, are, are not able to identify that it's a VPN uh, and then 
it goes uh, through the through 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 the Netflix servers, and that's how they serve that. So there are, there are different like liability problems and uh, different ethical pro- um, considerations there that we might not be able to uh, like uh, get get through those hurdles, and and mm-hmm. rather not rely on those solutions. There are there are other solutions, and we are you know trying to um, explore them a little bit. Uh, but it's important that like a uh, privacy focused VPNs, and there are some others out there and. IVPN might not be the best choice for you, but you will see if you do the research, most of the uh, privacy-focused providers don't uh, cater to this use case. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use VPNs for this use case, but you have to be very that uh, that those providers who are focused on this are usually not best for privacy. Uh, gotcha. And like very, yeah, and a very important distinction here is that, or very important point here is that everything, all your traffic, if you use a VPN, all your traffic and everything you do is going to go through the VPN. So essentially you shift the trust from your ISP um, to the VPN. Even if you just use the VPN for censorship circumvention or geo uh, unblocking, even then the, the VPN provider will be able to see everything if, if the VPN is on. So if you just use it only for Netflix, then they will be able to, to uh, see the traffic going to Netflix, but there's always background chatter and there's always uh, different ways that uh, that uh, they can use that traffic. So uh, that's that's what I would stress. That if you, uh, that uh, that's an important consideration for me. Yeah, yeah. And on the on the censorship side, yep. Yeah, just go ahead if you have anything to add. Sorry. Oh no, it was uh, just going to say that I, I think it makes sense that um, VPNs that are more uh, accustomed to logging into things like Netflix and circumventing that uh, geo restriction, they the fact that they're using those residential proxies, I'm guessing, is because yeah. Netflix and Amazon and whatever else are probably very good at now blacklisting VPN services and just saying you can't use the yes. service. It looks like you're using a VPN, and therefore those other VPN providers are yeah putting you through a, a, another proxy afterwards. But I guess there's probably an additional level of trust there as well and then they're not the most privacy preserving vpns it's just more so to to bypass that geo restriction at least that's my understanding yeah yeah Yeah, that's 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 a good assessment yeah i agree and you were going to uh to talk a bit about uh censorship yeah just uh just to round off on the on the use Mm -hmm. cases for vpns uh yeah so like getting around uh specifically censorship in countries where they just block uh, different websites, different services. Uh, that's 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 a that's a big big use case. That we we see like a big uh, uh, need in, in different countries that are under um, heavy censorship: uh, Iran, uh, Venezuela, mm. uh, Pakistan, uh, different uh, different countries. Uh, so uh, it's interesting because that problem is 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 uh, solved by Tor uh, much better. There are some issues with Tor. Uh, it's it's not hard to block, but they are they're working very hard on that to uh, provide different uh, obfuscation tools. Uh, and the the other thing, it's slow, but I, I think it's also getting better. I haven't done test, some tests lately, and it might be uh, more problematic or, or or slower if you connect uh, in Iran, for example. So this case, this use case, I think it's 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 solved much better by Tor. But what what we have seen, I've done some analysis on this, and what we have seen is that uh, the just just the uh, awareness. Uh, on the existence of tool like v, uh, VPN, it beats Tor. So the searches for free VPN, uh, at least to the extent that I uh, you get the data from 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 places like Iran, is at least the the twice uh, for the uh, for the need like Tor. Uh, and the reason for this is just like uh, just it's just the the whole VPN thing is just so. Uh, 
uh, mainstream now and and people understand that it's it's perhaps easier to download an app on your mobile and just press one button and that's Mm. solved using tor uh, you know it, it requires a little bit more jumping through more hoops uh, it's much easier uh, on uh, on desktop for example so uh, it just uh, so the need is there um, and uh, but there's a uh, one important thing here is that people in those jurisdictions and those uh, areas want free vpns uh, and that's where the trust part comes in uh, again that uh, for example in uh, iran and different places most people use cheaper android phones uh, and uh, the, 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 the biggest free VPNs uh, that are installed on Android phones based on the data available, uh, millions of installs are by uh, Chinese companies with no clear um, business case. You know, there's mm-hmm. no, maybe there's a paid version of that, but no, like most people are not going to pay for that uh, in Iran. So the question is, what's the, what's what's the, the play model? there? Yeah. Yeah. What's the profit model? And like, uh, you know, of, of course, there's not going to be, uh, I'm not going to accuse anyone here and there's not, uh, I, I, there's no proof for this, uh, but it's not hard to make the case to like, okay, so it's probably like scooped up by some government entities and they are, they're using their, their position to uh, subsidize these companies and, uh, and get all that data for, for different purposes. So yeah, this is what, this is where the trust comes in. It's interesting that people try to use uh, VPNs for getting around censorship as well. Uh, as for IVPN, we don't uh, specifically focus on this use case, but we do offer uh, OBFS proxy uh, and uh, right now, which 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 helps uh, in some circumstances. And we are exploring um, different uh, different ways because we, uh, for for IVPN customers, we would like to give them the option because if you use IVPN for privacy. If you cannot connect to the service because of uh, different uh, censorships and different blocks uh, on, a, on a country level, like uh, country firewalls, uh, then you won't be able to use the service uh, for privacy uh, mm. and if you pay for it. So we would like to uh, focus on solving that issue uh, for, our, uh, for our customers, not like a larger, uh, larger user base. Uh, we understand that need, but, uh, but it's just like a, uh, it's a big, big, big uh, thing to solve. So um we have uh we have a lane and we are kind of uh, sticking in it let's say so you have to remain yeah. focused i think otherwise you end up yeah. sort of chasing our tails trying to do everything yeah yeah that's a good point i guess i've got uh, something to go back to briefly and then perhaps we'll even move on to focus more on that yep. trust like the fact that people by mm-hmm. going with a vpn they're uh they're kind of uh shifting the trust model to the vpn it's good to maybe talk a little bit about well, how would you choose a good vpn or what makes ivpn stand out as a good party to trust. But before we do that, I wanted to go back just a couple okay. of steps. Uh, you were mentioning around um, if people are using a VPN, it doesn't make them anonymous by default, especially if they're using things like a login to a website where they're provided like their phone number, their email address, their personal ID, mm-hmm. their uh, their um, home address, whatever it might be. And uh, you also mentioned cookies. So the fact that, that can tr- cross, uh, sorry, track you across various websites and even just track you when you come back to that same website, regardless of whether the VPN says you're coming from the same location or not. Those, I think, are are really good points for people to, uh, to kind of like hone in on and know like, again, what a VPN can protect you from and what it can't. Now, the, the one that really creeps me out as well is browser finger, fingerprinting, which I think even less people yep. are aware of compared to like yep. cookies or using their names and, and whatever else. And the fact that when you go to a website, there's actually a really good one called Panopticon Click or Panoptic Click. I'll, I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes. Yep. But you can go there and say, uh, you know, scan my browser and, and let me know in what portion of people 
can you kind of identify me? And it, it will yep. use a lot of things from your browser, like the screen resolution, uh, the kind of like graphics card, your time zone. Um, uh, th there's a bunch of things that it basically uses to profile and says, all right, well, based on all these details, we can kind of pick you one out of uh, 50 people of the last 300,000 people that have used this website. So it's very, very, um, very, very spe specific, basically. And even if you're using a VPN and it looks like you're coming from a different geolocation, if anyone has a profile of what your browser looks like, it's going to be very obvious that it's you coming back just from a different um, IP one way around that is to use something like Tor Browser, which actually specifically mm -hmm. um, has uh, mitigation uh, for that, or things like Liberwolf as another type of browser, mm -hmm. um, or even just being aware of it. Again, knowing that the VPN is not actually making me anonymous, I'm going to a website that yeah. can fingerprint my browser and see my my you know my time zone or the graphics card that my computer's running, and therefore that's very very unique to me. So just other things to keep in mind, and also very creepy the the amount of level <laughs> that we're going to in terms of trying to identify people yeah. through all these. Uh, yeah, really underhanded ways, I guess, not asking people, who are you? Tell me who you are. It's like, I'm going to try to find out who you are regardless of who you tell me who you are. I guess that was, yeah, that and, was probably uh, the main point that I had on to, that, which is just to sort of throw that one out there. Yeah, just to just to add one one point to this is that, uh, you know, you mentioned Tor Browser. I think they're, they're doing things there to improve on this aspect a lot. Mm. Uh, but if you're not using Tor, you just use just regular browser and your VPN on. Um, if you try to, so the, that's the very tricky thing about uh, browser uh, fingerprinting is that that whatever measures you are trying to take, install different extensions or uh, try to uh, you know uh, protect yourself against from this. Uh, that's usually just makes you more unique. Exactly. So it just yeah. like turns turns the problem around, which is uh, mm. which is very. Uh, just like uh, th this is the point where you you go, go deeper and you say, okay, I just give up. You know, I just give <laughs> up. You know? right. Just like there's no there's no, there, there's no way to protect yourself against. But this is where uh, just going going back to my point that there's no zero privacy and there is no total privacy. Uh, what I would just uh, suggest to people is like uh, try to do enough. You know, try to understand mm -hmm. uh, as we talked about threat um, models. What are you concerned about? Uh, what kind of outcomes you are concerned about? What kind of data points you are concerned about? Uh, just try to do an assessment on that uh, and who might be getting that data, uh, your uh, search engine, uh, your social media uh, site that you go to, uh, your email provider, what kind of emails you are uh, putting through Gmail, what kind of searches you are putting through Google. You know, uh, you can make small uh, changes. You can, you can do this um, step by step uh, and create habits um, in this regard in chunks. So uh, I'll give you one example for myself. Uh, like uh, the first, uh, I've ditched uh, Gmail uh, and I've set up uh, a fast mail. I think that's uh, exactly uh, in Australia, and I have to. Uh, uh, it's it's on my to do list to uh, review that because of data retention specifically. Uh, but again, uh, I have my own uh, email account um, on a server that I trust, and uh, and it it doesn't go through like Gmail's all this filtering and all this data collection. But that's that's just one step. But it's it's a big step, and you and you have to make efforts, and you uh, and you have to take it uh, step by step. Uh, another example is so. For example, if you uh, if you have um, DuckDuckGo installed in your Firefox, for example, uh, you can start using that even if you're not um, satisfied with all the search results. Maybe just start using it for medical uh, queries, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and then you can gradually just move on and 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 do more and more things uh, that just like uh, helps you shift uh, all this information given to uh, the 
the corporations that don't care about your privacy uh, to the ones that do. That's what I would um, I would recommend. That like yeah, go, going into this browser fingerprinting is just really just the uh, the part where you might not be able to stop that, and that's but, and that's fine. So don't get disheartened. That's my point. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I think privacy is a process, and it's an ongoing process. No one ever really has perfect privacy, and it's all down to yeah, again, your threat model. And as uh, I think it's Matt Odell yeah. has said many many times, yeah. don't let perfect be the enemy of good. If you can make small yeah, improvements, like that, yeah. yeah, I think it, that's the way to go. Well, let's shift yeah. gears a little bit and go into uh, why IVPN stands out or, or why people should trust IVPN, I guess. What sort of uh, what criteria or what kind of characteristics do you think IVPN has that makes yeah that, that a viable thing for people to shift the trust model to? Sure. Yeah, if you, if, if you allow me, I will just... Uh start with like a larger picture on this mm. uh, you ask like how do how do you pick a vpn or how do you have to trust so yeah i usually say to people when i talk to them at the uh, conferences and uh, when i have conversations uh, in different communities uh, they ask me about uh, specific services what do you think about this service what do you think about that service um, and uh, yeah I re i'm really honest about saying that ivpn might not be the best choice for you uh, there, are, there are a couple of uh, providers, so it's it's part of my job to like evaluate and vet other services. So I've, I've done, I spent a considerable amount, uh, considerable about considerable amount of time on this, and uh, there are a handful of services that I would trust or use besides IVPN. But less, that list is pretty short. So the first consideration for me is definitely the trust. As I said, no matter what kind of use cases you have, what kind of different things that you want to get out of that VPN. Uh, you will shift all your traffic to them. It's, it's going to be your ISP essentially, and they are going to be able to see everything that you do uh, to the extent that your ISP can see it. Uh, and if, if they have your payment information, if they have your email address, uh, they can tie that uh, together and again, analyze, package, sell it, and do whatever they want with it. So for that reason, the number one consideration is trust. Uh, are you know the operators of the service? Uh, the first question is, do I know who they are? So... Uh, this thing that uh, the VPN provider ownership uh, for the for the bigger services now uh, they are public they have like public ownership uh, and they have a public facing uh, team and leadership team this is kind of a new thing so if you look up the the biggest names all of them have uh, have this now but a couple of years ago uh, it was just a random company registered in British Virgin Islands with like um, if you looked up the uh, the, the team members, they were using fake names like, uh, I don't know, uh, Joe Tyla, uh, Tyrell, uh, when they were in fact someone sitting in uh, Lithuania with like a very, very different name, mm. uh, which is, this was mind boggling for me. I was, I was writing blog posts about this, calling them out. So the point here is uh, that uh, you need to know who is, the, who is behind the service. Uh, the company is operating it, the leadership team, uh, the, and then you can evaluate that, okay, so are these guys uh, trustworthy? Are these, you know, would they uh, actually uh, act in my best interest? That's the number one consideration. And then also like evaluate, does, does it do what it says on the, uh, on the tin? Uh, will they log uh, my traffic? What kind of policies they have? So um, the policy aspect is the, is the other part. Uh, what kind of privacy policy they have? What kind of uh, legal guidelines they have? What, uh, how they are going to respond to different uh, requests for, for data? Uh, will they comply with these requests? And if they comply, will they have any kind of data um, on me? So most providers will say that they don't log, uh, but if you dig a little bit deeper into their history or into their privacy policies, there are always like the asterisk is there, the caveats, caveats. are there. Mm. Yeah. That, uh, so 
Um, so, so I would definitely look at these policies uh, and then go on and say, um, see like whether they keep the security best practices. This is where it gets a little bit uh, more difficult for like a lay, let's say layman or like an average user. Uh, you might need to consult uh, experts or uh, uh, different evaluators that that uh, that you would you would trust. Uh, whether these companies keep the security best practices, all the, uh, whether they um, they like uh, commission and install the, their servers in a way that's uh, that follows these best practices, mm. uh, whether they use the latest protocols and uh, and the latest encryption uh, mechanisms. So yeah, so these are the thing. This, these are the main things that I would I would start with. But we can we can get into some of these uh, caveats a little bit uh, policies uh, or uh, audits or uh, or the product uh, characteristics if you want. I think, yeah, that I mean, that's a good criteria for people to come back to as it is, is to realize, yeah, they are trusting the VPN provider to more or less be in that place of where the ISP was. And I, people who have listened to me enough will, will know that this is my general criteria for, for probably pretty much mm-hmm. most applications that I use. But I normally say, like, is it open source? So can you view the source yeah. or can in an adversarial environment other people view the source? Because not everyone's a coder that can do a, you know, a source review. But at the same time, if it's open source, you know a lot of your competitors, yep. a lot of your adversaries would be looking at that. So uh, an issue yeah. will float to the top. Um, no logging policies you mentioned. Um, having yeah. regular audits of those uh, yeah. those policies and the the open source code itself. You, you mentioned things like how uh, VPN providers will respond to say um, a court order or a request for information. And so I guess to me one of the criteria that I come back to is like, is the VPN situated in a privacy friendly jurisdiction? And also, yes. what's the established history in terms of how they've dealt with those things in the past uh stuff that we've talked about a little bit earlier in this episode even is um having a clear profit model so like how is the vpn profiting because if it's unclear then it's quite likely they're profiting off of your own data or they're profiting off of government subsidies to get your own data so it kind of needs to be clear Mm -hmm. in that regard um yeah things like honest advertising helpful guides and there's probably all the basic stuff like device compatibility if someone's using windows and the vpn's not allowable on windows and obviously not going to use that or if you know android etc so it needs to be sort of usable in that regard but those are kind of the main ones that i come back to i think you brought up a really good point about the the, like the technical implementation because something that is getting a bit kind of into the weeds uh, for people that might not be as aware technically is that yeah you might go to a vpn provider and they have servers all around the world but have they actually got kind of ownership and installed and maintained those servers themselves or do they rely on someone else to do that because then technically you're bringing Mm -hmm. that someone else into the trust model as well. So those are, yeah, all very good points, I think, in terms of choosing what is, yeah, the most trustworthy VPN provider. Yeah, yeah, just to uh, expand a little bit on these points, yeah, excellent, mm. uh, excellent summary. So yeah, first the, um, on the open source, uh, yeah, so I VPN, uh, specifically VM open source apps, but with the with the open source, uh, you can go a little bit deeper. Uh, so open sourcing infrastructure, uh, and there are different uh, new uh, initiatives in this regard where so uh, where where you can give a little bit more uh, opportunity for evaluators analysts um, auditors you know to peer into into your systems and and verify that actually what you say uh, is true so um, I think uh, the open source part uh, it's it's a good point and uh, and just want to add here that that really uh, there's no way for VPN services right now there's no technical or other way uh, for VPN services to give you a hundred percent assurance or a hundred percent verification that what they do is actually 
what they say is actually what they do. So mm. this is just not possible. So what what good VPN services uh, can do, and this is what IVPN focuses on pretty much in most of our efforts in regards to uh, communications and transparency and uh, let's say marketing, uh, is that um, we can give you these different points, these different trust points, uh, and and add add to them, you know, uh, to the extent that it's possible. So if you just like uh, take a checklist like that and you say, okay, so audit, yeah, check. Open source apps, yeah, check. And and you, so that increases uh, your uh, uh, your uh, trust level, and it, it can it, it provides more and more assurance uh, that it's a VPN provider that you can trust. But you know that's just a certain extent that. Uh, that you can go to. So this is where you might encounter articles saying that uh, don't use VPNs, don't use commercial VPN services for privacy. Uh, and the, uh, if you just boil down to the gist of it, uh, that's this is exactly this point because there is there is no way that you can 100% uh, trust them. Mm. So some people might not get to a point where they can comfortably trust a, a VPN service. Then I would suggest that they shouldn't use a VPN service. So not everyone needs a VPN. Uh, so People might not care about the ISP logging them. The people might not care about their uh, all this, like this nothing to hide argument. Uh, it's as you said, it's not really good. Uh, but if you want to stick to it and you say that okay, I absolutely don't care about any of that stuff, then you don't need a VPN. You don't need a VPN, uh, you know, you, uh, just because you know your an advertis uh, advertisement said that if you don't use a VPN, your credit card will be data will be stolen if you go onto the internet. That's not yeah. true. So my point here is that the first first question is: Do you need a VPN? Is it part of the uh, the toolkit that you need? Yes. Can you trust a VPN more than your ISP? Yes. And VPN providers can can go to this. Uh, extent if you do a good job to increasing that trust and, and earning that trust. So yeah, open source uh, is, is a very good point. Uh, and audits. Yeah, one point I wanted to uh, say about the audits that like, I think it's very important that uh, a couple of points, who is doing the audit, um, whether the one that is commissioned, like the the, the company or the team uh, is, do, is doing that audit, it, is trustworthy in itself. That's, that's one important uh, consideration. What's the scope of the audit? So mm. what that audit is actually uh, uh, entails and inspects, you know, uh, for the provider. And, uh, and the last important point, we, which we always usually stress is that an audit is just a snapshot in time. So if you can, uh, you can say that, you know, at that point where the, these systems were inspected, uh, we, we found no evidence of logging, for example. But there is no assurance that that's the exact code and that's going to be the exact uh, setup and infrastructure setup that's going to be live on the VPN server the next day. Mm. So what I'm saying is that if, if, the, if the provider is inherently untrustworthy, uh, they can manufacture even like an audit uh, scenario uh, where they just turn on, turn on logging the next day. You have to keep this in mind. So it, it's also not something that's like, oh, the provider has an audit. That's okay. Uh, uh, that's immediately uh, trustworthy now. So, yeah, that's the second point I wanted to add. Um, and the third point was about uh, jurisdictions, uh, which is also very important and very tricky. So, I think one consideration there. So, I think there is an inherent trade-off there. So, if the provider is in a jurisdiction where it's very uh, obscure, so for example, yeah, uh, let's say a British Virgin Islands, where the laws are very laissez-faire, they they have no uh, like data retention. Uh, policies or they have no uh, they have ways to uh, help providers or a VPN service in a way that's been actually beneficial to the user that's great but on the other hand 
uh, this also comes with uh, with obfuscation for their for ownership, obfuscation for the company. So I think the trade-off there is that uh, on on the, on the one hand you want a transparent ownership in a jurisdiction where there is, for example, if there is big damage done, uh, they uh, they might be able you might be able to hold them uh, hold them accountable. But on the other hand, uh, it should be a jurisdiction where the data protection laws and the independence of the jurisdiction is uh, is great enough so they can still run a VPN service in a way that allows them to not uh, have data retention. There is no uh, like uh, immediate and, and uh, very uh, evident collaboration between the uh, data centers uh, and the government agencies, for example. Mm. So yeah, so that's that's very important. But the other other caveat there is like the the servers will be in, in different uh, in different jurisdictions. So uh, even if the provider is registered in Switzerland, for example, if they have a server uh, in uh, in a jurisdiction like India, if they have like strong data retention laws and they compel even VPN providers and data centers to log everything, uh, and 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 have these logs uh, in clear text, you know, uh, be present at request. Uh, that it's you know the VPN provider's jurisdiction won't save you because they're uh, uh, they will have to log. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, may- these are, these were just caveats I wanted to add to the jurisdiction question. Yeah. It's uh, I'll uh, I'll throw something in there. I won't I won't name it specifically. But when you mentioned British Virgin Islands and uh, and Lithuania and data mining and that kind of thing, I think I know exactly the VPN <laughs> you're talking about. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. say it and then have it associated with you. I think I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> later because that's a VPN I used to use a long time ago, and I went down that rabbit hole yeah. myself and thought too many things kind of line up for this to be just a conspiracy. But I, that, that's just a little aside of this kind of yeah, when you mentioned that I again. Think, I, thought, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't a coincidence, and uh, but I, yeah, I don't want to mention the either. No, that's uh, okay. Yeah, I, like I, the, I won't bring it up now. But I, I did have a question because you you mentioned India and you mentioned again like the jurisdiction where the company is set up in isn't always the be all end all, especially if the infrastructure yeah. is in another location and that location actually has yeah. very strong laws. So like with this recent law that I don't know if it's actually been passed yet, but India is essentially saying that I. I think VPN, VPS providers need to keep data logs for the next, yep. you know, for five years, basically on every customer, like personal ID, etc. How, like, is there a way around that? Or is it pretty much just any VPN that has a server in India essentially needs to abide by those those laws? Um, yeah, uh, I, I've, I haven't looked deeply into that. So again, uh, this would have been just salt. Uh, you know, we might be able to support this with some uh, some links uh, but i think yeah india has a has a new law it's it's passed already uh, and uh, and yeah all vpns so they specifically name vpns and that kind of model uh, that they have to collect and store uh, customer data uh, for at least uh, 5 years so i i'm not exactly sure about uh, all the all the caveats but like uh, i think it's uh, uh, they, so uh, they can reach out to the um, to the ISP and the data center to get those logs. Gotcha. Um, and does you know I've never actually used a, a server from India on IVPN, so I'm not sure if you even have a server in IV uh, in India. But do you do or you don't? No, no. Yeah, we we didn't have one uh, earlier, uh, and we don't have one now. So yeah, we we contemplated it, and we, we had some requests for it, but now it's it's completely out of the question. So yeah, I can understand that exactly. Any yeah. any final points in terms of uh, choosing a VPN provider and maybe some of the, the criteria we've already talked about? Yeah, just going a little bit deeper into the ethical considerations again. I mean, yeah. if you if we talk about trust, how to evaluate 
if if someone is really in this game for uh, for for your protection and and protecting your privacy. Uh, so I so we we are business. We don't we don't have problem with uh, with the model of setting up a business for a with a mission uh, and with a cause that uh, that uh, where you provide a service uh, to to help that cause and you charge money for it. I think it's a very clear way of uh, and then using those profits, you know, to Im- improve the service and maybe sponsor educational materials. Uh, giving it to nonprofit organizations and you know grow your business, grow your team, and and have a, try to have a larger impact. So I think this is all fair. This is all fair game. But I think the the issue is when uh, when uh, certain providers, big providers, definitely do this. Uh, they they start to oversell the capabilities. They start to oversell their uh, their uh, their servers. Uh, so. Uh, not just that the the quality of service might uh, degrade, but they also try to convince people, to, everyone, to use it. So everyone needs it. Uh, uh, I don't know a grandma who goes on the internet once a month in a, um, rural Nebraska needs a VPN, or someone who uses their phone uh, on a, on a subway uh, uh, to buy something online needs needs a VPN. This is just like uh, atrocious. But the, yeah, so. Uh, my point here is that uh, some providers uh, do this with uh, with a clear mission, and they are in in this game for um, for uh, very good reasons to improve the state of things uh, and to make a difference primarily. And some some providers are primarily in this uh, to make a buck, make either make mm. a quick buck or, or make the big bucks. So, like uh, one of the providers was sold for a billion dollars recently. Uh, and now there's a big conglomerate uh, in the VPN space that owns like uh, five VPNs or may- maybe even more. Uh, mm. Amongst them, like uh, the two of them are in the top five, uh, and they are listed on the on the, the I think on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, they have uh, big shareholders. They have shareholder meetings. So it just shows that uh, which are public, by the way, and then you can look into it. It's very enlightening. Uh, it just shows like how, how how they talk about these things. Uh, it's 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 mainly about the bottom line. It's mainly about uh, all the considerations on, on how to grow the business, uh, how to acquire more businesses, and it just gets more centralized. It just gets focused on on, on increasing these. So uh, the point here is these these uh, owners and these these providers will use all these things that I've I've talked about earlier about third party trackers, Google Analytics. Uh, sponsoring YouTubers, you know, mm. I don't know, who talk about salt drinks, you know, to uh, <laughs> uh, best VPN. Our VPN is the best VPN because of these reasons, and you should check them out. And here is a promo code. So, you know, these guys have no, no, no business in evaluating VPNs and recommending VPNs, mm. and they are harming their uh, viewers uh, in this sense because they have no idea what's happening, you know, uh, behind the scenes there. Yeah. So, and and some other stuff like uh, dark patterns. This is also like a pet peeve of mine. Uh, like these countdown timers and uh, making it hard uh, to cancel the subscription. <laughs> so th- these are all these, th- these are just small signals, but y- you can evaluate, if you evaluate VPNs, if you go on the website and you check these policies and check the, how they uh, how to do all these things, these are all small things that really add up. And if you counter them, uh, the best providers, I have three three to five on my list, uh, they, they will do either none of those things or very, very little of these things. And that's that's telling. And this is why if you go on like independent websites, uh, independent evaluator sites, there are a couple who don't use affiliate links and really uh, know uh, know their business. They usually end up with the same three to five recommendations on the top. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not a coincidence. 
but but if you go on the best VPN results in Google, they will have all the big guys there. Uh, yeah, that's right. Are really uh, uh, sponsoring them and like uh, giving them a uh, hundred bucks per new user required. You know, uh, but so they they will do all these things that I've been talking about, uh, and that's how you can separate the, the wheat from the chaff. Uh, yeah. I think that's it. you have to really read between the lines with a lot of these things, don't you? And again, look at established history, yep. look at who the shareholders and stakeholders are, that profit model. Yep. I'm curious, will, yep. will will you disclose your three to five top or maybe even just your top three VPNs? I mean, I, I can mention sure. I'm cu- I'm just curious if we've come to maybe a similar conclusion or not. So Mulvad is uh is one of the ones that I would recommend. IVPN obviously yep. is is the one that I recommend as well. The next one, I'm not sure about. I'm starting to rethink it, and I get a lot of uh, tinfoil hat uh, speculation from mm-hmm. people. But uh, Proton VPN is another one that I would consider mm-hmm. trustworthy. And that's pretty much my three. I, I wouldn't really go any further yep. than that by recommending any others. There could be others out there, but those three seem to be, uh, yep. yeah, the, the most viable. So I, I haven't really seen any reason to, to go beyond it. But I'm curious, how does how do those three sit with you? Sure. Obviously, IVPN is probably the, the gimme, but yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I need to. I mean, uh... I I haven't talked to any lawyers about this, but I, okay. I really, yeah. really need to be. Uh, I really need to preface this. So this is not a recommendation. Uh, yes. Yeah. Correct. And let's let's frame it this way. If you would come to me and ask about uh, like, okay, so Victor, I'm using this provider. Uh, shall I ditch them because I, they are they are probably untrustworthy by your judgment? Uh, I would say no. Uh, you should keep them. I think they are they are okay. So yeah, my list would be definitely Movad number one. We have some relationship with them, but it's just generally about uh, to- talking about improving uh, the like the VPN ecosystem and ethics and the trust. And uh, yeah, I, so I, I I know their service very well. I think that their service is the closest to ours. There are some differences. There are things that we do better, uh, but uh, but they, they do a very good job. So yeah, th- that would be number one on my list if I w- weren't uh, using or like working on IVPN. Uh, and yeah, uh, Proton, I know that some people have some issues with uh, how they handle some of the recent like uh, um, investigations. Email, email logging some, in IP. Yeah, email, yeah. yeah, IP logging because... I think the thing there uh, is that uh, that uh, that the that the mail service uh, by law has to employ uh, a logging that is that is uh, less lenient, let's say, than the than the VPN mm. side. So, uh, but but the VPN uh, doesn't need to keep logs. That's as that's that's as far as I can you know uh, remember the story. Uh, so personally. Yeah, sorry, no. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I think the uh, with the proton mail thing, I like. I don't want to just defend them, but at the same time, I feel like they had a policy that was pretty clear about that, and they mm-hmm. stuck to the policy. And then people, I think, maybe misinterpreted the policy and said, "I didn't think they were allowed to do that," but it yep. was pretty, yep. pretty clear in their policy. So I, I think that's just a bit of a, a caveat around that. If anyone's seen that and decided, oh, yeah, they're, they're untrustworthy. So yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's probably also a policy that 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 that, that would apply to any service uh, in the EU right. specifically or in Switzerland. So there is no way around it. The only way around it is, which I mentioned, this trade-off that you just move your jurisdiction, you obfuscate the owners, uh, and you just go offshore totally. Uh, but then uh, you know that trust factor for the customer will be lost. So mm. yeah, it's a it's a tricky trade-off. But yeah, but just, just to answer your question, uh, yeah. So I I wouldn't ditch Proton if someone would ask me. I I don't. I think they're they're doing doing a good job from what I can tell from their their background. Uh, they're solid. Uh, I wouldn't endorse them, uh, but yeah. Uh, and the fourth one, uh, which is also, is so that there are two on my list, which I think they are doing the right things, but it gets a little bit tricky. 
uh, is tunnel bear and windscribe. So mm -hmm. I, you know, again, I said my job is to uh, like uh, understand and see what other VPN providers are doing and just like see their uh, their policies and what they do. So this kind of uh, litmus test, so this kind of uh, quick test that I've been uh, I've been I've been talking about in in regards to trackers, third party tools. Um, like uh, where they advertise, ethical considerations, affiliate programs, honest reviews. Uh, you know, Windscribe and uh, and Talobear uh, are the two that 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 tick most of these boxes. They they don't do so. They they refuse to do uh, these kind of tactics. Most of them, uh, which is a good sign for me. Mm. Uh, they they are they also uh, Talobear has audits, regular audits. Windscribe is I think is working on audit. Uh, where it gets a little bit tricky uh, is the jurisdiction. So Tanner Bear is a US jurisdiction and it's owned by McAfee. Uh, uh. Windscribe is in the Canadian jurisdiction. So we can get into a little bit like this five eyes and different icing, which uh, we believe it's a little bit overplayed. Mm. Uh, but if you are not comfortable with, uh, with, uh, with the provider in the jurisdiction, Canadian jurisdiction, US jurisdiction, then it's, it's just going to immediately fail your test. So yeah, this is where it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit tricky. Uh, but yeah, but the rest, there are smaller providers, which could be good. Um, so I'm not saying that all the rest is junk, but most of the, the, the bigger, bigger providers, more, most visible, uh, most visible providers, all of them had at least one or more red flags for me. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And I appreciate yeah. that as well, because I put you in a tricky position to get you to, you know, spruik other people, <laughs> spruik other businesses, but also, yeah, not, not recommendations, no, uh, yeah. no, no legal ramifications. So yeah, I think it's just yeah. good to discuss and uh, share notes on that kind of thing. Two, two sort of final uh, topics, I guess, it would be uh, any future IVPN products or, or services that we haven't talked about that you might want to mention. And then uh, maybe we can do like a, a summary of what Bitcoiners uh, might get out of something mm -hmm. like a VPN specifically. But yeah, maybe if we start at, uh, at IVPN, if there's anything coming up in future that you wanted to spruik. Yeah, I mean, one, uh, I would just start with, a, with like a, a current one, uh, which is, uh, I think is interesting and could be uh, useful. Um, to mention uh, and what separates us, not specifically from, let's say, let's say mobile, but from from most of the providers, uh, we we had this functionality for 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 a long time and now, and we are working on improving it constantly. Uh, it's multi-hop, so this is where if you're a little bit more paranoid about uh, uh, data centers and uh, jurisdictions, uh, you can use IVPN's multi-hop. Uh, specifically, with WireGuard as well, which is a new protocol and really fast protocol. Um, so what, what MultiHub does is uh, you, ent uh, you enter your traffic on, in, in a, to one server in one jurisdiction, one VPN server, and it exits, it, it jumps through uh, another server, gets encrypted again, uh, and then it exits through another server, perhaps in a different data center owned by a different company uh, in, a, in a different uh, jurisdiction. So what it helps you against uh, is, um, um, let's say a malicious data center or a, or a data center where they are incentivized you know to monitor the traffic uh, coming in and going out so by default a, a data center can't uh, see what's happening in the VPN server it's encrypted so they uh, so they receive the the uh, encrypted traffic uh, and but when it exits the VPN server uh, it exits unencrypted uh, unencrypted and this I'm not going to go into the technical uh, things here, but it, it allows for so, some sort of uh, uh, complex um, uh, attacks against uh, VPN users where uh, where they could correlate some mm. of the traffic, some of some of the requests uh, and uh, identify some of these requests. So these are uh, timely and costly. So most uh, data centers are not 
you know, incentivized to uh, to do this. But if they were to work together, for example, with like a government agency, very resource agency, uh, it, it would be possible. Mm. Uh, it's very hard to to tell to what extent this is a problem. We are working on, uh, you know, trying to uh, get the latest information about this and see. Um, uh, so th this is not part of the general uh, mass surveillance threat model. Uh, so I'm not saying that every IVP user should use this. But if you are concerned about these issues, then you can use multi-hop to uh, to get a, like a, another layer of uh, encryption and uh, uh, pass that uh, data along uh, to data centers in two jurisdictions. Where uh, and if you do that, this kind of uh, correlation attacks and this kind of analysis becomes uh, 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 like uh, extremely Very hard. difficult. So, yeah. That yeah, very, very difficult. So yeah, this is what I would would, uh, would really uh, highlight as like very uh, important aspect for uh, for IVPN. Um, and yeah, and, uh, another thing is which we are going to imp uh, improve on and plan to improve on uh, is our anti tracker. So we talked about uh, trackers and the different uh, ways that uh, third parties trying to uh, track you across different websites uh, and like uh, employee requests, you know. Um, and employ different tools to track you. So VPN, uh, IVPN has a functionality called Anti Tracker, uh, which if you enable it in the apps, uh, we use like a specially configured DNS server to block all the uh, requests from a long list of domains um, that uh, might uh, might track you. Uh, and one interesting thing here is uh, is so-called hardcore mode, which blocks uh, Google and Facebook ASNs all their IPs and so all the requests uh, coming from them. So if you use that, uh, you, you you can be fairly sure that uh, that Facebook and Google won't see any of the stuff that you do. But it, it comes very, very important note that it will break a lot I was, of sites. I was about to say, usually the, yeah. the better your privacy is with those sort of things, if you turn off like JavaScript yeah. or cookies or tracking, it means a lot of stuff doesn't work quite properly, yeah, but exactly. you, you gain a lot of privacy from it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And But this is also an important, uh, like like a very interesting test. So if you you use IVPN, you enable hardcore mode, and if you just go around and start browsing on your regular browsing journey, uh, you, you would just you would just be you know amazed by how much stuff doesn't work, and if it doesn't work, it shows that it relies on Google and or it mm -hmm. relies on Facebook. So, yeah. So we would like uh, so uh, again with this roadmap thing and what we are working on. This is just uh, again like an asterisk there that that uh, no promises there. This is like a rough roadmap for the next uh, six months a year. But yeah, I would like to uh, improve uh, the anti tracker uh, maybe uh, uh, with some sort of like. Uh, um, customization, maybe improve this hardcore more as well. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing we would like to focus on is uh, infrastructure improvements. So uh, have more servers, uh, our own servers in, in more locations. Um, and uh, yeah, there are some things, uh, Some uh, there's one thing that is where could be interesting for more technically inclined users to look into. It's called the uh, initiative called the System Transparency. Uh, it's an initiative by Movat, some of our competitors, but we are really interested in supporting this uh, and uh, experimenting with it. Uh, and that's a uh, idea, very, very ambitious, uh, where essentially the short story is, uh, if it comes together, uh, any kind of evaluators, anyone uh, could uh, um, evaluate uh, servers and what is running live on, this, on on the VPN server, the code running on the server, uh, and audit that server uh, in a way that gives you like fairly good assurances that there is no logging um, going on. Mm. So it's a complex idea, and I'm not gonna get into the to the. I think uh, conceptually that's a, that's a good it, summary, but, uh, and that's not even something that yeah. I've heard of. That's that sounds really cool. 
And, yeah. and not not surprised so, yeah. it's coming from a like a Molvad and, and that you guys are interested in it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so we would like to experiment with that as well. So uh another thing that we're going to focus on a little bit more, I think we 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 touched on this topic is about the obfuscation and the sensor uh, capabilities. Uh, there are new uh, interesting projects coming out here. Um, so Torres uses one called Snowflake, uh, which is a pluggable transport. Um, and that's like access some sort of a uh, proxy uh, and helps people uh, get around censorship uh, that's, uh, that uses deep packet inspection uh, by masking the traffic as harmless, let's say, like uh, WebRTC. Uh, using these um, these uh, these proxies to um, connect to, so the, there are different uh, very interesting new uh, developments in this area that we would like to um, deploy if if uh, if it makes sense. Um, and lastly, um, mainly around my work, like yeah, more guides, uh, guide updates um, is definitely in order. Uh, you mentioned our advanced privacy guides; they are somewhat out of date. So, uh, but if, if you allow me uh, some sort of uh, an ad for this, that, uh, that uh, we are looking for uh, writers or a writer uh, who would be happy to work, uh, work on this with us because we have a lot of ideas and we have a lot of knowledge in this, in, in this area, um, but uh, we have limited resources. So uh, somehow it always gets bombed down on our roadmap, which I'm really uh this uh disappointed by so uh, if someone someone listening and wants uh, have like the technical background and wants to uh, work on this with us i would be happy to uh, happy to get their contacts so that's yeah, yeah. and you, and you can are, definitely do that i'll even uh perhaps put that in the post when i uh, i post it okay. up okay yeah i think that's great all right uh and yeah and, and one interesting thing we are, we are working on, on on the documentation side is a very comprehensive uh, threat modeling uh document for ivpn where we detail the the threat model of the service, what kind of threat threats it's designed uh, to mitigate against, what kind of actors and threats it's 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 not designed against. So if you go through that document, it will give you a very good idea of whether IVPN fits your threat model and whether it's a, uh, it's it's something that will help you. So I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, it should be out. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say uh, when because that's no, you don't, that's say soon. Put, put you in a tricky position. Soon, yeah, soon. Yeah. Hopefully, very soon. Uh, coming uh, to a uh, feed near you. So yeah. I, so I yeah, that, that's, that's 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 about it. That, that's great. I think you know more education. Um, the working on multi-hop servers, greater support for that. Uh, trying to again yeah. um, circumvent things like cookie tracking with the uh, like the anti-tracker and the hardcore mode, and, yeah. and sort of uh, you know bolstering that a little bit more. And uh, like you said, yeah. even trying to uh, work around censorship of um, I guess people using VPNs in the first place, or, or some of the um, the deep packet inspection that can uh, that can occur with both Tor mm. and VPN. So those are all like very very useful things to sort of push both IVPN and and kind of this industry forward. And I I love the yeah. idea of doing the more in depth um, and quite specific threat modeling guide because it's so difficult to come across something that is a good one stop shop for that. And it's it's kind of like I. It is true, like threat modeling is very important, but I feel like I cop out sometimes when people say like, oh, you know, what what should I do for my privacy? And often enough, after a very, very long discussion and that starts to become confusing or maybe go in circles, I kind of have to fall back to saying like, you sort of need to determine what's your threat model, like who are you trying to keep mm -hmm. private from because that's very very important but then finding a great guide 
you know, to sort of step them through that process or, or being able to do that myself, it's just, it's very difficult, basically. So I, I think having more resources around that entire concept and, and maybe more of a systematic way of going through it, or even just saying this, this is the threat model that IVPN in particular um, prevents yep. against, and, and that will at least get people thinking in the right ways about it. So I, I think that's really great. All of those things really. Yeah, yeah, we, we we haven't. So we are starting with the with the IVP and threat model, but um, yeah, I think uh, I've I, I've I've seen the same thing about the general threat modeling concepts. Uh, there's no good one comprehensive uh, tool or guide for this. There are th mm -hmm. some that 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 work work. I think EFF has one like this SSD surveillance self defense and some uh, some other some others I, I've seen. I think partly. One reason could be uh, that it's 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 a very complex topic. So yes. every threat model will be very different, and there's just so many things that you have to consider and think uh, think about. And the other thing it's is is very fast changing. Mm. So the threats are changing. There are some, of course some uh, overall things that don't change. For example, the ISP problem that hasn't really changed in the past ten years. Uh, but there's there's always new capabilities, uh, always new tools to get around those capabilities, and just it's just it's just very complex. But uh, yeah, one thing I would mention here. Uh, not sure about the, their uh, exact uh, guide for this, but uh, privacy guides. Uh, I'm not sure if you, if you know that site. That's, yes, uh, I do. That would yeah. be a very good. Yeah, so they have very good tool recommendations um, for for VPNs and for other stuff as well. And I think uh, they they are moving into this uh, direction uh, where they've. Uh, I think they have already added some knowledge based documents about uh, threat models and like uh, you can start with that threat modeling and they, they have a button down on their website start your privacy journey and it starts with exp uh, explaining threat modeling so that's the resource i would probably point to uh if you want to uh, learn, learn more about this that's great yeah because i hadn't seen that specific guide um privacy guides is one yeah, of those new. websites yeah. that i that i yeah. often sort of spruik or say if someone says oh i'm looking for a browser or a search engine which one should i use yeah. i'll normally suggest a few then say go have a look at this website so I, yeah that's great if they've got that there now as well that's a good place to uh to sort of funnel people to yep, yep. Well, i guess we'll we'll jump into the uh i don't think this is the only topic that bitcoiners are listening for in this episode but it's probably going to be one that they'll they'll listen in closely to is uh, mm -hmm. what does uh, a vpn provide to bitcoiners in regards to uh to privacy mm -hmm. and so i i know that you're um not as deep into bitcoin as uh say myself so maybe i'll, I'll kind of lead some of the topics and then sure. perhaps you know you could qualify statements or if i've you know i've kind of mixed something up you can feel free to correct and we'll go from there okay i think yeah, that's probably the uh the most common thing that i see happen especially with new bitcoiners is they uh they'll check things like an address for Bitcoin that they've received uh, on a public block explorer. Now, for the most part, you can check your wallet for that. And that's like another little tangent in terms of like, where does that wallet connect? So maybe I'll just leave that to one side, but let's just go with the block explorer for as an example, because most people just kind of inherently trust those websites. So whether it's mempool.space, I think that's probably the best one to use uh, and probably the most trustworthy one or like blockchair.com com or org like there's a lot of different public block explorers but i think what a lot of mm -hmm. people don't realize is that if every time they go to check an address on the block explorer and that block explorer sees that it's always coming from the same ip address yep. there is a very good likelihood that they can cluster those uh, queries together and say okay uh, this one ip address has checked these 10 addresses in the last week or two, there's probably a high probability that these 10 addresses belong to that person or it belongs to someone that they're associated with. Now, 
you know, we could come up with all sorts of advanced ways of saying, well, use a different IP address every time or use a different, you know, browser to circumvent the fingerprinting or use Tor instead because it kind of does both of those things. I would say, generally speaking, the probably the best approach is just to run your own node because then when you're connecting to your own node, you can query the data from your own node rather than someone else's. But at the same time, if you do want to at least obfuscate specifically who you are, using a VPN to check a public block explorer would be better than, say, using your your ISP IP address, because that one is is tied very much to things like your geolocation and is, is much more identifying in that way. Yep. But again, like knowing the ideal is run your own node, you know, query your balances, query mm-hmm. your addresses from your own node. But if you can't or you, you don't want to for some reason, um, then generally speaking, I would say, yeah, using a VPN, maybe even better yet in this scenario, using something like Tor, um, or even just the Tor browser, um, because that's something that I see like a lot of uh, newbies kind of making the mistake on and not realizing the uh, you know that kind of clustering that can happen with addresses. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for me, this is ties really well into this whole 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 question of different pieces of personally identifiable information uh, collated together, maybe by different parties, and then used for analysis and uh, the anonymization and. Uh, and just getting information on you. So uh, yeah, so if you use your IP used by your ISP um, and then you have someone uh, getting that uh, data from the from the uh, block explorer, um, then then you can use all all these pieces of information put together uh, and they have a complete profile of you. Uh, and they have you can use this uh, probabilistic approach to say that, okay, so now we know all this about this this specific person, starting with their name and address and everything else, and they're probably on the uh, on these wallets. So mm. uh, not getting into like who, who those adversaries might be, uh, you know you can have some guesses, but uh, it gets it gets uh, it gets pretty easy. So yeah, this is just like a very basic measure that you can take. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Now, probably the, what feels like the most logical step is to go into uh, people that are using, say, a wallet that's custodial mm-hmm. and not using yeah. a, a block explorer. And so they say, well, I, I never go onto a block explorer to check my uh, balances. I just do that on my my wallet. But they don't have their wallet connected to their own node. And so in that circumstance, it, it, it's pretty much a parallel or an equivalent where the custodial provider of that wallet so, you know, some that people might be aware of are things like maybe Blue Wallet or Breeze yep. or Phoenix Wallet. Um, these uh, providers are essentially able to see well, your balance. Um, a lot of them might get information like your extended public key, which actually tells them every single address you could ever derive, you know, from your, your private key or your seed words. And they get things like your IP address. So mm-hmm. obviously that's not ideal. And again, that probably the ideal would be to run your own node and connect your wallet to your own node. Therefore, you're you're pretty much just trusting yourself. However, I would yes. say if you are going to use a custodial wallet, is be mindful that you are leaking things like your IP address, uh, your Bitcoin balances, and perhaps every receiving address you might ever create. And although you can't kind of stop all of that information leaking, I, I see a very good piece of information to stop leaking would be your actual IP address. So therefore, it's not clear where your geolocation is. And that the easiest way of doing something like that would be just to use a VPN when you're accessing your wallet software if you can you know yep. use something like tor as well but for for new users using tor seems to be that kind of that extra step in terms of difficulty so a vpn i would see is like a low hanging fruit to say you know you are leaking some information to that custodial provider if you feel that they're trustworthy enough that's maybe a you know an okay step to take and if it fits your threat model mm-hmm. but perhaps you just want to provide some protection over your actual geolocation leaked by your ip address 
by using a VPN instead. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so if I would have to choose, I would I would go with Tor as well. But you know, if you if you are let's say like a regular user, uh, air quotes, then uh, then <laughs> you know you would and you and you use your wallet regularly, for example, and you just don't want to uh, like go through that hassle uh, every time, uh, or you just like maybe it will prompt you to just like. Uh, yeah, forget about it. If it's if it's too if it's if it's too complex, maybe for like this regular use, uh, it's uh, it's much more viable just to have like an always-on VPN uh, that will give you the privacy benefits also that we've talked about. But also, you don't have to uh, have to think about this particular issue when uh, accessing the uh, the custodial wallet. So yeah, that's right. And I I guess sort of a natural extension from there is that if users are uh, running their own node. Generally speaking, I would suggest people run their node over Tor. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for new users, that can sometimes be like a non-trivial thing to do, in which case I would suggest, you know, run your node over a VPN. Unless mm-hmm. you have no care in the world about your ISP knowing that you're running a node. And at the moment, yep. running a Bitcoin node in Australia is completely legal. And in my, you know, understanding is not a red flag whatsoever but you you never know about these things in future and especially if some of the bitcoin hypothesis about financial collapses and so forth is uh you know comes to fruition i feel like maybe bitcoiners might have a bit of a target on their back so there are some that might want to not have their isp knowing that they're running a bitcoin node in which case a vpn would be a good option but if they don't even want the vpn knowing then you know perhaps doing something like running your node over tor would be a, a good option as well yeah, and it's 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 also ties back into this question of like your your ISP has the most information uh, by default on on most people because of their uh, their their very important position in the whole whole network. Um, and uh, this is where you know if there is some censorship attempts or there is some uh, websites that the government wants to block, you know, completely, or they want information on different people. This is where they go to. This that that's that's the first first destination. Mm. So if you extrapolate that and you just um, think about these kind of scenarios, uh, if you know if you are a government entity saying, okay, so how can we get the the quickest list of all the people who are associated with Bitcoin uh, heavily, you know, uh, then yeah, that 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 would be on definitely uh, on top of the list or like very in a, in a very prominent place. Let's talk to the ISPs and see what information they can they they can give us. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm also just thinking for anyone listening who's outside of Australia, some people might think, well, I, I'd love to run my node over Tor, but Tor is blocked in my country. Um, there are mm-hmm. bridges that you can use to be able to still connect yep. to Tor and obfuscate that. For anyone who's maybe not up to scratch with doing that, you can actually still run a VPN and Tor. I can't remember the uh, the terminology, yep. whether it's Tor over VPN or VPN over Tor, but essentially you connect to your VPN first and then you connect to Tor. What your ISP sees is you're connecting to a VPN Mm -hmm. um, and your VPN Mm -hmm. sees you're connecting to Tor, which means your traffic is kind of hidden from the VPN and your traffic is also hidden from the ISP, at least in in terms of what it is and what it's connected to. Yeah. So if you if you if you have issues connecting to Tor and you uh, and you and you want to use a VPN for that. Then you first connect to the VPN and and then to Tor. Yeah, but the, there's there's uh, you know this is also a very contested topic because those, those who say uh, you know if you want to use Tor for privacy and for anonymity, uh, if you use a VPN first 
uh, to, uh, that's some first connected VPN, uh, that's uh, that's another risk factor that you introduce to, to your whole model. So that's right. because then that then then it goes to the VPN as well. So uh, but if if you trust the VPN provider, then yeah, that's 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 good. I think Tor over VPN. So uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's something that's uh, discouraged for for different reasons, but yeah. that's my understanding. And that what that would be is that you connect to Tor first, and then you come out of Tor going through the VPN versus the other way around. But yeah. if, I, I think for probably most people listening, that's not going to be too highly relevant. I guess it's just if you have someone's in a country yeah. where they, where they can't use Tor, know that there is actually a, yeah. a, a solution within Tor for that, which is a, a Tor bridge. Um, and if that seems sort of like too far out of reach technically, then yeah, knowing that you can start your VPN first and then connect through Tor, yeah. and that is providing um, a sort of a similar level. But again, th there's no perfect solution here. It really depends on your threat model and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah exactly. Another uh, scenario that might come up with nodes as well is that if you are away from home and you are looking to either access your node because you're checking your wallet balances or you're actually sending a transaction or something along those lines, is that your connection back to your node could be something that is monitored by either like your mobile network provider if you're doing it on your phone um, or if you're using public Wi-Fi or something along those lines. So similar to what we talked about in the past, like to, to circumvent, you know, an attack like that or a surveillance like that is having a VPN that you log into and then you're really only connecting back to your own node. So yeah, I, I don't know if the, the necessity for something like Tor in that circumstance is really there, but having a mm -hmm. VPN at least to know that you're not being monitored on a public network or that your mobile provider is not seeing that you're connecting back to uh, like a Bitcoin node, that could be something for people to keep in mind as well when they're out and about. Yeah, this is something that I, I don't have anything to add to. I'm, I, That's okay, yeah. I, I think it was spot on. Now, the, I think it's the final point is uh, is Bitcoin miners. So most people mm -hmm. are, if they're into mining, they're either doing hosted mining, um, they could be a part of an institution and at that level. And in both of those cases, this doesn't really apply. Uh, but there are a lot of people who are getting more into home mining where they have mm -hmm. their, uh, you know, miners situated at home. Um, they have it pointing at like a, a mining pool. But the thing is, they're still connecting to their modem. So they're still connecting to, uh, you know, say their ISP and their ISP can see um, things like that data that's being transferred and it has a bit of a profile. So it's obvious that you might be doing something like Bitcoin mining and maybe even which pool that you're connected to in terms of like the Bitcoin mining pool. And so again, a, a VPN can provide some level of, um, of privacy over the top of that. I think sometimes Bitcoin miners have a concern that there's going to be a latency issue, although I've from my research into it and talking to quite a lot of Bitcoin home miners, that doesn't seem to be the case. That any sort of latency issue is, is relatively um, insignificant. And if it gains you a level of privacy um, from your ISP that you'd prefer to have with something like Bitcoin mining, then it could be uh, something that fits into your threat model to have a VPN um, that you kind of tunnel that traffic through. Yeah, 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 definitely. And that's again with the there is a uh, kind of like a common thread here with the custodial wallets and the mining pools and and the ISP. Just like every time you to do any kind of activity like that, you have to think about the um, the other party and where and who 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 can see that information and who can who can uh, do anything uh, harmful with that information. Uh, I'm not saying that it, this will definitely happen. Uh, but uh, this type of this type of protection, uh, and in this case uh, specifically, what a VPN provides, uh, is just like um, assurance. Uh, it's just uh, it's a it's an assurance against uh, any kind of like future 
uh, future issues that could have been prevented. Yeah, the, the, the tricky thing about this and just like an overall philosophical musing about this is that uh, with privacy, it's, it, it's very hard to convince people uh, to, to consider these issues because, because the, the potential outcomes are really hard to define uh, mm-hmm. and, the, and the chances are probably low. But, you know, these, these very, very low chance, but high, uh, high risk uh, outcomes, if those happen, then, 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 you know, you will understand and you will, you will face a situation where like, oh, now I get it. You know, and this is why that people have went through uh, situations like this with uh, identity theft or uh, getting burnt with, uh, uh, with some sort of information leaking and uh, having really adverse effects. This, th- th- that's when people start to uh, wake up to it. And those people become like the b- really big and uh, fervent privacy advocates. Uh, that's, that's my experience, at least. What's the phrase? It's like when you need privacy, it's a luxury that you can't afford. So it's something that you should sort of yeah. chip away at now. Don't wait until you need it because once yeah. you need it, it's, it's far too late for that. The inf- once the information is out there, especially on things like the internet or an adversary, it's it's there forever. And it's very easy yeah. to uh, to use that to sort of piece together profiles and whatever else. So I think yeah, good point. that's probably a, a good point to, yeah, to sort of cap off on is, again, um, you know, consider your threat model, consider what you're trying to protect from don't get too overwhelmed by it. It is overwhelming, admittedly, but at the same time, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be your approach, like doing things gradually. Again, that idea of like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good, chip away at it, because any small yeah. improvement you make is a, is a, I would say, a significant improvement over time. Yeah, yeah, good points. Yeah, just my, my closing thoughts is just really uh, pick a VPN provider that you can trust in it. Take the time to wet it uh, and uh, test it, you know, for the, fit and the speeds, you know, that's, that's also important. We haven't talked about this too much because, uh, that's just, uh, an easier to um, evaluate. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you take the time and, 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 and put the research in, uh, then you will be able to find a, uh, a provider that's trustworthy and that's, that's a good fit for you. And then you can uh, keep using them, them for years, uh, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the most important, uh, takeaway I would, uh, I would stress here. Absolutely. I think we've given a lot of like decent criteria for people to use to uh, to either see if something seems trustworthy or if it's a bit of a red flag. And, and I would say yeah. to people to use their, um, I guess for lack of a better phrase, like webs of trust, like the people that you trust mm-hmm. that seem to know about yeah. these things, you know, what, what do they tend to say? And if they all tend to triangulate back to a few different providers, which I, I believe for the most part they do, that is uh, another level of not really a guarantee, but some level of reassurance that you're making probably the most informed and, and you know, likely good decision. Yep. Yeah, good Any final points before we finish off or anything that you thought we we're going to talk about that we didn't get around to? Mm, yeah, I think we, we touched on most things. So, yeah, that's it. Now, that's good. Thank you so much for your time, Victor. And Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Uh, enjoyed that conversation. No so, problem at all. Now, do can people follow you specifically anywhere, or is it more so just the uh, the IVPN, the main kind of handle that people should uh, should check out? Uh, yeah, I'm, I I have a Twitter account, but I'm not really active on there, so probably not that interesting. Yeah, I would suggest following IVPN for for VPN related news and our specifically about our service. Yeah, we are on uh, Twitter, Reddit, Mastodon, uh, and yeah, we have a we have a blog which we uh, update regularly with product updates, but also with like educational stuff as well. So uh yeah that's 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 what i would do if you're interested yeah and, and the final thing uh is that uh if people want to 
you know, get, uh, learn more about the service or have any questions uh, about privacy or about the threat model or like how specifically IVPN fits into it, uh, they can contact me directly. My email is victor uh, at ivpn.net. It's uh, Victor with a K. Um, and uh, uh, also, I usually offer people a, a chance to test our service. So uh, I'm happy to share uh, gift codes, vouchers uh, for a mm, two weeks test so uh they can uh they, they will have an opportunity to test our service and see if it's a if it's a good fit for them uh so yeah i think that's great my final notes and I, I appreciate that as well and i'd encourage people to uh to check that out if they haven't checked out ivpn already right again victor thank you so much for your time thanks thank everyone you, for listening and until next time